Well, all the confidence we saw last week after the lower-than-expected U.S. CPI, well, the week ended with a bit of a question mark after all of that. Okay, maybe the U.S. will have a softer landing than expected, but what about everyone else? And for Australia, well, it doesn't take away from the impact of China's slow recovery, which was evidenced by a fall in house prices on Friday. And is it just the U.S.? What about CPI for other countries, like the U.K. this week, for example? So a bit of a holding pad until we get more numbers. So it's going to be an interesting week. It's Monday, the 17th of July, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. A small move up in the DXY on Friday, but late last week, the US dollar fell 2.3%, hitting its lowest level in a year, uh, but moving up a little bit, as I say, at the end of the week. The Aussie dollar, meanwhile, well, it was doing well until Friday came around. It was up almost 3% over the week on Thursday, but lost three quarters of 1% on Friday. The Canadian dollar also lost 0.8% on Friday, and uh, we saw foils, falls in oil as well, 1.8% off Brent, down below $80 a barrel again, and down 1.9% for WTI, uh, almost down to $75. And bond yields falling all week, suddenly turned around a bit on Friday, so 10-year treasuries up 7 basis points to 3.83%, but of course, you know, still... 27 basis points lower than they were a week before that. At the same time, Aussie uh, 10 years have come back from 4.29% uh, to just a, a smidgen over 4%. Uh, US equities lost some of their sparkle on Friday, with the Dow climbing a third of 1%, but small falls for the S&P and the NASDAQ, 0.2% down for the NASDAQ. Uh, about the same for the DAX in Germany, but the ASX 200 finished Friday up 0.8%. So maybe just some uh, taking stock of the situation on Friday a bit of a reality check. I mean, after all, there was a lot of movement, wasn't there, last week from just one CPI print. So let's talk all of that through and also what's coming up this week with Nabs Rodrigo Catrill in Sydney. So everything turned back uh, on the dial a little on Friday, isn't it? I mean, that that is to be expected, isn't it? Because, I mean, we had such sharp moves through the week last week. There had to be a bit of retracing at some point, didn't there? Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a readjustment, but also um, we have to bear in mind that the equity market ha- has been doing really, really well un- until then. So uh, you kind of have it coming from a kind of super positive level and, and the consumer sentiment was is good news that the consumer is in, in a better shape than it was a, a month ago. It also placed the idea that maybe there's a little bit more work to do by the Fed. Uh, and in particular, when you look at those inflation expectation numbers, um, not only the one year ahead, but also the five year, ticked a little bit higher, uh, one tenth, but still a little bit higher and, and, and above 3%. So, so the market is thinking, okay, so this idea that maybe the Fed is done, maybe it's not as certain as before. And, and in fact, we saw that reflected in, in the move up in yields, which was led by front-end yields as well. So, so is this really being driven by consumer sentiment? Because, I mean, I, as you say, the actual, you know, the consumer sentiment read itself was quite a bit higher from 64.4 to 72.6. All of this, of course, from the Michigan Consumer um, Sentiment Survey. Yep. But the inflation expectations, we were talking about this tail end of last week, you know, if they if they're coming in higher, even though the CPI number has come in lower. I mean, you know, if you ask the same question now, I asked that question on Friday, if you ask the same question now, would they actually have uh, sort of like had a, a lower forecast expectation, knowing that, the, you know, the real numbers that we saw? Yes. Uh, no, it's quite right. Um, and then the other thing to point out is that the survey itself um, is actually not very good at telling you how the consumer will behave in the future. So it doesn't have a very good track record. But uh uh, it's still one of those surveys that we all look at uh, and certainly the Fed looks at and, and in particular that the inflation expectation reading, the five year, 
yeah. one. Uh, it, we know the Fed plays some weight to that. So, so yeah. the fact that it's ticked a little bit higher from 3% to 3.1 um, is not kind of traveling in the right so, direction. And yet, you know, we've seen uh, the, uh, quite a bit of uh, bond movement. We've seen more flattening of the yield curve. So yields generally rising, not falling on Friday, um, which I guess is part of that uh, response to that survey. But, you know, the flattening, the bear flattener, which is generally a sign of, um, uh, you know, normally foretelling bad times. But here we are with confidence rising, which sort of seems to suggest that the US, you know, is going to get through this with a soft landing. That is certainly what the expectation was last week, wasn't it? Yes. And and, and to some extent, that, that expectation is still there. Uh, when you look at the uh, pricing of Fed expectations, um, you know, it's, in, it's interesting to know that on Friday, you know, there was little change to the expectations that the, the Fed will be hiking in July. Uh, but instead, the data and the move up in yields is taking out a little bit of those expectations of rate cuts uh, in, over 2024. So so the idea is that the, the, the market is still thinking uh, the Fed has a little bit more work to do. It definitely looks like it will be hiking by um, uh, the end of the month. Uh, but then uh, the question is, you know, do they have to hold there for longer? Uh, and to wait for the economy to actually slow down. And, and indeed, when you look at sort of the movements in uh, in expectations for the end of next year, that's where you can see the big movement that uh, we saw a rise of around 15 basis points uh, of expectations for the Fed fund rates for, for the end of next year. So it's that expectation of like, well, how much cutting are you going to have to do in 2024? Uh, maybe a little bit less than than previously thought because of the economy and the consumer still doing quite well. Equities, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this week as we start to see the earnings season numbers tick in. But I'm, I'm curious about financials because you would have thought this would be a good time. If the economy is looking more positive in the US and people you know want to borrow and banks can charge higher interest rates on that because interest rates have gone up, you would have thought this would be a good time to be a bank. But their, their share prices aren't showing that. For example, uh, you know, we... we outsized movements downwards, really, on Friday. Bank of America down 1.9%, for example, on Friday. Yes. So uh, it's interesting because uh, what I think happened on Friday is that the banks uh, got swamped, if you like, by the move up in yields. But uh, in the initial, at the start of the day, we had three banks reporting, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup. And to your point, all three of them uh, raised the forecast for net interest, highlighting that while there has been some evidence of a small group of customers struggling to pay, make payments, overall, um, they see the potential to, to lend more uh, and to, to increase revenues because they're able to um, you know, charge more basically to, to what it's costing them to borrow money. So uh, overall, the, the, the banks, at least the big banks in the US, are actually in good shape. Um, and they have taken a little bit of market share as well from the regionals as well, So particularly JP Morgan. So... Um, so the story for banks themselves is good, uh, but on the day, I think that the, the move up in yields uh, uh, kind of dampened the mood uh, overall for markets, but certainly for the banks as well. Well, but for equities generally, I mean, with earnings season underway, uh, a, a question that Bloomberg is asking today is, are they going to hold up? Because they reckon S&P firms are expected to post a 9% drop in profits overall in the second quarter, which would make it the worst season since 2020. Uh, so, but, you know, that could mean two things, couldn't it? It could mean that, well, you know, that is that is bad for those companies. So, so we see their share prices fall. But also, 
I mean, it's good for keeping inflation down as well, which means that could be good for equity. So you could argue either way as to which way the uh, the share market's going to go. Uh, yes, yes, I think it's true. But certainly, uh, I think a little bit more than what has been the case in previous quarters, there's a greater deal of, of focus in terms of how earnings will come out and, and, and what the impact will be given how well uh, equity markets, particularly in the US, have traveled so far this year. So... Uh, a little bit of a correction to some extent uh, will probably favor that view that, uh, you know, the Fed is done and, and it's done enough for now. But um, we'll have to wait and see. So why did the Aussie fall back so much on, on Friday? I mean, often there's a, uh, you know, the, if, if we're looking at why the Aussie is falling down, it's very often that the sentence uh, includes the word China. But we got house prices from China, but that didn't happen to the weekend. So that didn't influence the Aussie dollar. Maybe it will today. Uh, but, you know, with, uh, those numbers, obviously another sign that uh, the Chinese economy is cooling. Uh, we're seeing oil down as well. So in amongst all this expectation of a, you know, of, of a soft landing for the US, that's not a global picture, clearly. Yeah, so for, for the Aussie, as you say, we've, we have this combination of two very important risk positive and supportive dynamics. One, you know, the, the, you know, the performance of equity markets in general uh, and overall credit markets. So risk assets doing well. Uh, that's, that's usually good news for the Aussie. And of course, we've seen a, a broad decline in the US dollar with the market uh, becoming a little bit more confident that um, the US economy is slowing down and that that will force the Fed to not only stop hiking, but also consider rate cuts uh, over the course of next year. So, so that's weighing on the US dollar. Um, but when you look at the Aussie, uh, whilst many of the major currencies have broken through key levels, like for instance, the euro looking comfortable above 112 um, and dollar yen below 138, so or around 138, um, the Aussie hasn't broken through the previous high. It touched that 69 cent, but it wasn't unable to, to break through it. Um, and to us, again, that reflects that, that issue around uh, the uncertainty of China, you know, the slowdown that we've seen in the data. And as you said, like overall on the weekend, uh, those declining house prices, which were the first decline in five months, uh, again, it's sort of yet another piece of evidence that China is slowing down. Yeah. Um, and we're I mean, all waiting for policymakers to do something about it. Well, um, and we might some, and, we can get some of that today, mind we? So we get the uh, we get the Q2 GDP from China, and yep. uh, we also get the medium term lending facility. So that that gets announced today, and there's the real possibility that's going to be a rate cut. Uh, well, actually, I think the, sen- the the general sense is that it will be unchanged. Um, there's there's certainly that view that the PUC will continue with an easing bias, uh, but as it's been the case so far, or even in the last 18 months, there's a very slow easing bias, you know, the, the easing and probably a little bit more liquidity in the, to the market. Um, but the main issue here, uh, China doesn't have a problem of, um, you know, the cost of borrowing, if you like. There's no appetite for borrowing, mm. and that's the issue, which is very different. And, uh, and that's where the fiscal stimulus, stimulus yeah. needs to come yeah. through. Uh, we know that the media and, and reports from different, uh, you know, councils that are, that are thinking about a lot of things about what they can do, and they provided a lot more support to the property sector. Um, but our sense is that this is all coming to towards this Politburo meeting that will happen towards the end of the month, which is share, chaired by the President Xi. Um, and that's where the big announcement we think will happen in terms of how much stimulus will, will occur and what sort of uh, sectors will be supported and so on. So um, in the meantime, you know, we, we got this data, the activity readings, which I think will be more important than the GDP reading today, uh, is going to show that the China is, is still slowing. And in particular, 
because of base effects, uh, when you look at retail sales, uh, it may print a very, very significant decline uh, from 12.7% to 3.3%. So that, that would be a significant move. Mm. And I think overall, there will be that negativity around or concern that China is slowing and, and that policymakers need to do something about it. And we need to wait to see what they deliver. So there's a potential the Aussie dollar might take a bit of a hit today then, isn't there, in amongst all of that. So we'll see see what happens. So what about New Zealand then? We get uh, the PSI, the services PSI, uh, New Zealand obviously coming back from a public holiday on Friday as well. We know from Thursday's manufacturing PMI that this is an economy that is slowing. Yes. And there is to some extent, uh, you know, uh, reflecting the intentions of what the central bank has been trying to do to slow down the economy. Um, so um, we, we don't expect the PSI to be sort of the big ticket. Uh, the, the inflation numbers that comes later in the week uh, is probably going to be more significant. Um, if if the inflation number comes out along expectations, what our colleagues see in New Zealand, it will probably support the idea that the the, um, the RBN said is done, uh, but certainly though they will hold the cash rate for a little bit longer to make sure that this slowdown that is underway also comes alongside with an easing price pressures. And New York's Empire Manufacturing Survey is out uh, later today as well. So if that shows weakness, I mean, could that be something else like we saw on Friday, something which is really a, a secondary survey, uh, just knocking a bit more off that enthusiasm that we've been seeing in the United States? Because there's not a lot else really out of the US to, uh, you know, uh, and, and I guess the question is really, uh, is it going to have much impact or, or is everyone going to wait till we get more solid numbers? Like, for example, seeing if other countries are seeing their CPI fall. So we get New Zealand and, and UK CPI, for example, this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, the manufacturing sector, is the, the empire manufacturing is expected to ease down uh, into negative territory again. So uh, I'm not sure it will have the sort of same impact that we're seeing, for instance, from the Michigan survey. Those regional surveys in the US can be a little bit volatile and you tend to sort of try to look at them together to see what the message is. Uh, but certainly it's not going to paint a picture that the manufacturing sector um, is improving if, if expectations prove to be correct. Um, I think the retail sales uh, that are coming up tomorrow in the US will be more important. It's a better gauge of what the consumer, how the consumer is behaving. Um, and as you say, inflation, really the number, the big number this week will be the UK number uh, because Obviously, they have a much bigger challenge there. Uh, they, we haven't seen evidence yet of significant cooling. Um, and if the core reading comes along the lines of what the market is expecting, uh, which will be unchanged at 7.1%, it, it probably just suggests that the, the, the Bank of England still has more to do. And, and it will increase that debate as to whether they need to do 50 at the start of uh, next month or just 25. Mm. So so that will be very important. Let's hope it doesn't tick higher. Uh, Australia this week, of course, not much today, but later in the week we get Australia's job numbers, of course, and the RBA minutes. And look, you know, we didn't, we missed the story on Friday as to, because it came out about the same time that we published the podcast, as to who will be the next governor of the RBA, Michelle Bullock. Uh, perhaps not a massive surprise, but of course now they've got to decide who's going to replace her. So I wonder if we'll hear that this week. But, I mean, obviously, those jobs numbers for, for Australia are the key number this week. Yes, they, 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 it will be important, again, uh, in terms of forming expectations for the RBA uh, meeting early in August. Um, uh, along with the market, we don't expect an employment rate to change. We think it will stay at 3.6. Um, the jobs number, of course, will be important. And we, we did get that massive job number last month. And so this time around, uh, we expect a little bit of a small number around uh, 10,000. 
Uh, I think the the consensus is around fifteen thousand. So um, it's not going to be significant if if it comes along the lines of expectations. Uh, but certainly, sometimes those, those numbers can can surprise to the upside or downside. So right. it would be important. To Soft see. landing for everyone. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Just see those CPI numbers drift down, and everyone <laughs> everywhere around the world is talking about a soft landing. That would be that would be good news. Anyway, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Catch you next time. Cheers, Phil. It's almost like asking for world peace, isn't it? We've given up on world peace, so we'll just go for a soft landing. Uh, look, Rodrigo is back with me again tomorrow morning, so don't miss that. I'm back on Tuesday. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.